Sing praise, come on.
love that reminder. I'm a child of the Lord, a child of a worthy God. And I want to read Philippians 2. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all of their names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. This God is the God we're singing to, the God we have the privilege to sing to. And really, I was thinking about this, and no matter what we sing, God deserves so much more. And so I'm thankful that he even hears our prayers, hears our cries, hears our singing, and he accepts them. And so we have this opportunity to sing and use this time to find our worth and salvation in the Lord Jesus. And I love that we can sing that. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
God, you are good, and Lord, it just it's just so amazing to know that you are you are the God of the universe. You you knew us before we were even a thought, before we were anything in our parents' eyes. God, you knew us. You knew us in a close way, God, closer than we can even articulate by our human brains. And God, you are our king, the same king that sits on the throne amidst everything that happens in this world, in this life. God, you are reigning. You are in power. And God, you're in charge. And you are the king that still calls us child. And so, God, as we continue on this morning, uh, we we just know that there, there are two builders and, and, and we can be on two different sides of the fence. One, that we can build our life upon something that's going to be taken away by circumstance or taken away when the bank account isn't as high as we want it to or relationships aren't as high or doing the best that they, we want them to or we're going to build our life on something that's human. Instead, God, we can be on the side where we can build our life upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. And when life hits us, it doesn't not hurt God, but it still is something we can weather through because we stand on something that's firm. And so God, we build our lives on you, not bank accounts, not relationships, not education, not politics, not anything. There's nothing human that we can base our life on. The only thing we can base our life on is Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, we make you the priority as we continue on this morning. We love you. And, God, we are humbled to know we're in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. Say hello to those around you. We're glad you're here. It's a it's a good day, and I know it's kind of yucky. And, and and one of the things I wanna I wanna just uh, let everybody know is we have a bunch of people running the marathon, the relay today. And so keep them in your prayers. My wife is included, um, and she's running. And and you know I, I love how active our people are in our community and and just doing stuff together. And so keep them in your prayers as they. I know some of them have already finished up. If they run the relay, they finish up the first leg, and so they're ready for the, the last few parts of that race. And so keep them in your prayers as they finish that. Um, guys, we have a lot of things happening. A few things to highlight. If you pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. If you're new, uh, grab a red card in front of you and put in the offering plate as it passes by. Stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, they have something they want to give you for free and just to say thanks for, for visiting today. And a couple things uh, to highlight. One is that uh, the first car cruise is on the 21st of May. That's happening. So five to nine every Tuesday, talk to Al, Finney, or Hal Brynig. They'd love to connect you if you would like to just be there. If you have any questions or if you're looking to serve, there's opportunities to help out on Tuesday nights from five to nine. Um, and then coming up on June 17th through the 21st, we have our VBS. And so our theme this year is power up. And so what is going to be great is this whole room is going to be filled full of kids as we point them to Jesus Christ. It's one of my favorite things ever since I've been growing up in the church. VBS is literally one of the highlights of my 
my year because one, as a kid, it's, it feels like the Super Bowl. And then when you're an adult and you're leading it, you get to make that Super Bowl event happen for these kids. And the most important thing is that we can point these kids to Jesus Christ. And so guys, be on the lookout for a few things. If you head into the lobby, um, there's a donation wall. And I've been informed that the first kind of run at all the donations has actually been taken. And so they're going to be putting more donations out. So can we just thank God for those who already grabbed all the donations? Like, that's great. Um, but they're going to be putting more out there, so make sure to go look for those. There's going to be little Pac-Man ghosts, and so just grab those. And on the back or on the front, it has the donation item to bring in, and then on the back, it has the date, which is June 2nd. So bring those in and put those in the box that's underneath the TV in the lobby. And so you can do, you can participate in VBS that way. Sign your kids up. It's free. It's on our website. You can do that. As well as if you're looking to serve, we have opportunities on the VBS team for you to join us. And so you can talk to Laura in the lobby, and she can get you connected as soon as possible. So guys, we're excited about what's going to happen on June 17th through the 21st. And at the end of that week on the 21st, that Friday, we're going to be having our June Jamboree. And so the highlight of June Jamboree is always the inflatables and the concession foods and all that. And it's just a really fun time. We're having karaoke as well as at the end of the night, we're going to be having a movie. And so we're going to be having the screen in the field and bring your lawn chairs and your blankets. And it's just going to be a great time. So invite everybody, you know, Invite people to join you as a family to come with you. It's a great opportunity, and we're uh, we're looking forward to that. It's always a fun a fun time. So jump into that. It's going to be good. Mark your calendars. A couple things too. At the end of the month, um, we have at the end of the month on June 29th and the 30th, we have our Amani Children's Choir. And so they're going to be on stage, and they're going to be they're going to be worshiping the Lord through dance and song. And so uh, come mark your calendars that last weekend in June, and we're excited about that weekend as well as we need host families for these kids and their chaperones. And so if you're able to host, um, there's information in your bulletin. Just email us, contact us here at the office, and uh, we'll get you connected with the information that you need. But uh, yeah, it'd be great if we could lock arms as a church to host these kids and their their chaperones. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend. So mark your calendars for the 29th and the 30th. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward this morning as we receive uh, this offering. And uh, guys, uh, our mission is to, is to do what? Bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's why we exist. It's why we're here. It's why we gather is to make Jesus the priority. And as we follow Jesus is to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. You know, my mom's been with the Lord. It'll be three years this October. And I was just talking to my sister on the phone last night. And we're talking about just where we're at in life. And I'm thinking, my mom made a disciple out of me. She pointed me to Jesus Christ. And because she knew Jesus, I was one of her disciples. And now look what I get to do. Because of my mother's spiritual legacy, I carry that on. And so that's the goal. The goal is that we not do more, but the goal is that we make disciples, that we push and challenge people and point people to Jesus Christ. And so as you leave, there's something so small. We have a series we're in called Disciple, Be One, Make One. And so there's little maroon bracelets as you leave. It's just a reminder of the, the call we have to make disciples. And so uh, grab one of those as you leave. And if you have any questions, please email us. Please call us. We'd love to resource you as you continue to follow the Lord and challenge you to, uh, to do so. So if you have anything, please let us know. We'd love to help you out. Guys, it's going to be a good morning. We excited about this morning? Come on. Come on. Come in. We get excited. Yep. Jesus, we love you, and we uh, just know we sit in your presence. We know that when we sing songs, you inhabit the praises of your people. That means, God, you you hear us, just like Zach was just saying. God, you, 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 you receive these words from us, and God, what an amazing privilege it is that we can raise our voices, that we can lift you up. God, whether we can sing or not, whether we clap, it doesn't matter. 
whether we love a certain song or we like a different song, God, we had this opportunity here on earth to make you higher priority than anything else. And Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. And we build our lives on you. We don't build our lives on our job, our bank account, God, and and so on and so forth. We build our lives on you. So Lord, as we continue on, I pray that we would just feel a little bit bigger than ourselves as we give towards the mission to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. In Finleyville, in Pittsburgh, and in our our country, in this world, God, we know that the dark cannot cannot push back on the light, that the light will win, that Jesus, you will win. So we pray we get to see the work that you're doing. God, we're praising you for who you are. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you for chasing us down, (laughs) kicking down the walls of our heart to get to us. Jesus, we uh, just lay everything at your feet and ask all things in your name. you, he thought it was a Samson series. Did you see that? He pulled that out over. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Hunter. I appreciate you. Hunter is uh, actually my nephew, man. I'm just so proud of him. He's growing in God, and he's just, uh, he's, he's loving Jesus, man. So it's just, it's exciting to see him even get some muscle, too. That's pretty cool, you know? But uh, we're, we're so thankful for, for you here this morning. We are, uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. We're in the middle of a, a series called Disciple, Be One and Make One. You know, when you think of, the, uh, of that term disciple, it's kind of a churchy word, isn't it? It's kind of a scary word. It's almost like, what is a disciple? And, and like, am I worthy to be a disciple? Or what does that mean? Am I going to be like something weird, you know, almost kind of like a monk? You know, what, what is this? And, uh, and it's, it's none of that. It's really not something weird. It's not something that is something that you cannot attain. As a matter of fact, God has called us to be disciples, and he's called us to make disciples. So as we've been on this journey of discovering what is a disciple and how that you can be a disciple, I want you to look with me this morning, Matthew 28, verse 19. This is the mission that Jesus gave us. Would you read it aloud with me this morning? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We started last week, we said that a disciple is an apprentice. It's a follower. It's a a learner from Jesus. And, And unfortunately, in the American mind, we go the first route to say that a learner, we think knowledge. So we say a disciple must mean knowledge, that he, he can pass the test. And that's only part one of it. Uh, you know, part one is knowledge. Uh, you have to know what you believe in order to believe it, but uh, you have to know who Christ is. So there is, a, there is a, a knowledge element to this thing, but that's not the end. And as you look at this throughout the, uh, throughout the scriptures, you'll find that, uh, that Jesus, as he made disciples, he pulled a group of men together with him. And as he called them to be his disciples, they actually became like him. 
So we started out last week, we looked at, uh, we looked at how Matthew was called, and we said that, that religion makes disciples this way. It says if you will go and perform, and you'll do a set of rules and regulations, and if you will change, then you can be part of the religious group. And Jesus was total opposite. He says, come and be with me, and I'll transform you. You don't have to change to come follow Christ. Come follow Christ and he changes you. And so this is the major difference. This is, this is the total difference between re, uh, religion and a relationship with Jesus. Because religion keeps pushing this thing that somehow you, you're not good enough and you've got to try harder. And if you just try harder that somehow you'll be approved. And Jesus came with a total different message. And so the message that I want to ask you is, are you a disciple? And when I'm saying that, I'm asking you, are you following Jesus? Are you in close proximity to Jesus? Not how far have I come? Not uh, uh, am I being, in, you know, am I, have I gotten in further than anybody or is, am I behind? None of that. But am I following Jesus? Am I getting closer and closer to this Jesus? Am I currently intentionally following him? So this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture here from the book of Matthew, and we're going to see how that Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, and, uh, and it's kind of powerful, and we're going to look at some of the background this morning so that you can understand a little bit more about what a disciple is. Matthew 4, 18, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets, and they followed him. And if you were like me, uh, when I was in, you know, in high school, and I heard those passages, and I'm saying, whoa, what does this mean? You know? You're like, really? They had to follow Jesus. They had to stop everything. They were fishermen, and this was their trade. This was their livelihood, and they had to stop their livelihood to follow Jesus. And I couldn't comprehend this. I'm thinking, am I allowed to finish high school? You know, it's like, you know, if I want to be a follower of Jesus, where does this come into play here? How can I follow Jesus and still be able to live? I mean, I didn't totally understand it. I want to remind you here. Matthew was written to, uh, he wrote it to a Jewish audience. So these people understood how the Jewish people made disciples, all right? We're going to come back to that, but just remember that. Whenever he said to them, he said, follow me, and they said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. And he says, you know, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Uh, they, immediately fo- uh, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, uh, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. So now it goes a step further. Not only do these guys leave their nets, the next guys leave their father, okay? You're like, wait a minute, why did they have to leave their father? And you start to see all the sacrifice. And as I'm looking at it, I see all the great pain of being a disciple. You have to leave what you love. You have to leave what you, what you, your trade, how you were trained. Now you have to leave your family. It's like, wait a minute, I, I don't know, is that... Is that really what we're supposed to do? Is, it, you know, is that what God's really called us to do? And why did they just immediately go do that? Um, so as we continue here, I, I want to remind you that 
that, uh, that Jesus had a plan. And as we see this, you're going to see how a disciple, how the fact of the way the Jews made disciples, that way when Matthew wrote that, they could understand it. Now check this out. Verse 23, Jesus took those disciples, all right? And he's, he's building his ministry, and he's got these, these disciples with him. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all of Samaria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So, so I want to give you just a little, little background here this morning. What was happening was this was the Sea of Galilee. And if you were to pull up a map and you look at the Sea of Galilee up towards the northern part of Israel, you would see that at the top of, uh, uh, at the, top of the Sea of Galilee, there were three cities, and uh, I shouldn't say cities, more like villages, three little towns, and, uh, and these places, one was Bethsaida, one was Chorazin, and one was uh, Capernaum. So these three cities are known as the Orthodox Triangle. So you could literally draw a triangle on a map and you would know that that area is a very orthodox place. It was a place where people were very passionate about God. They were very, um, very much into the religious practices, the religious customs. And what was known in that little triangle? Okay, if you came down on the southern side of the Sea of Galilee, go down a, a few more miles, there was another city. In that city, you would see that there was all these... Um, uh, uh, coliseums and all, all these great things that they had to offer. But on, on the, uh, uh, and, and you would see that it was kind of developing. You would see, I heard that there was even some running water in there, somewhat of a sewer system. But up in this triangle, and it was just at the very top of the, of the, uh, uh, of the Sea of Galilee, you could see in this triangle that there was a lot of people up there who were Orthodox. And so what that meant was that they understood the communal living there was, a, there was a way that they lived, and the people were very communal. They, they may, maybe you'd have 100 people live in a little compound, if you will. And so then they would all share meals together, and they did a lot of life together. And so the, the other thing that was very big was at that point, not only would they be living in communal living, they would also have a synagogue. And these, these compounds were relatively close to the synagogue. So you would spend a lot of your time down at the synagogue. You would go down there for religious services. You would go down there for education. You would go down there for a city center. And so as you went down to the synagogue and you, saw, and, and you, you would get your education as a little child up in this area, this area was known for disciple making. The, a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, a teacher would come and he would teach in the synagogues, right? So then they would have times of teaching. They would have this, it was known as, uh, as the, the Beth Sephar. That was when you were schooled as a child up to about age 12 or 13. And they would teach them the Torah. That was the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So they would teach them how to read and write. Uh, remember, you didn't go home with a Bible under your arm like we do today. You went down to the synagogue, and that's where the Bible was on scroll. And so people, they would open it up, and they had a great love for the Word of God. They would hold up the scroll, and the people would come, and they would, they would come, and they would touch it and kiss it. They, they, they just wanted to be sweet to their soul. They wanted the Word of God. It was a very powerful part of their lives. 
And so as you were a little kid, you would be learning how to read and write by learning the Bible. You'd be learning Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. They would teach them. And so this was an incredible way to educate your kids was to take the Bible and just teach them the the word of God. And so once the kid got to about 12 or 13 years old, he was done with Beth Sephar. And uh, he, w- he would then go, and many, many kids at that point would just go out and start learning their trade. Uh, the town of Bethsaida, that was a town that is known for fishermen. That is a town that, that literally the name means town of fishermen, all right? A town of uh, hunters and fishermen. And so this is what they did. They were out and they were fishing. So these men would go out and they would fish. And they would learn their trade and how to fish. And this, this is their family trades. But after they got from, uh, from, uh, from um, about 12 or 13 years old, these people would go into their trades. The, girl, the females would go. They would, uh, they would begin to integrate into society. Pretty soon they would get married and people would be starting families. But there would be a few that would come on for the next level of education, if you will. And it was known as Beth Midrash. So in the, in the Beth Midrash, what would happen was the, the rabbis, the teachers would come out and they would teach more. And so if you had free time, maybe your season was done, uh, fishing was at a low time, or the olive, your olive, olive farmer and you were, uh, things were low on the olives right now, out of season, you would go into Midrash, Beth Midrash, and you would learn. And so in that season, you would learn not just about the Torah, now they would take you into the prophets. You learn about Isaiah and the different prophets. And so this would be a time of more education, and you would learn more and more from these rabbis. And then what would happen would be, so you, you got a smaller number that came into this, this season because it was like, you know, you had to do your family trade. But if you were really passionate, you made the sacrifices from your family trade, and you came into here, and you learned all about that. And you kept learning the Bible, you kept learning the Bible, you kept learning the Bible. And these people became very knowledgeable. And they had a lot of knowledge. And then what would happen was, if, once you did all of that, you could continue and you could find a rabbi. So people could come to this town and find a rabbi and say, I want to be one of his Talmud. All right, would you say that? Talmud. Talmud. Try that again. Talmud. You just learned a Hebrew word, all right? Talmud is Hebrew for a disciple. And so what he did, a, a rabbi, a teacher would just come and say, I have my Talmuds, all right? And so he'd take his Talmud, and each one, you know, he'd have 10, 12, maybe 15, and people would walk and follow him. Because in the culture of that day, they understood to be with the rabbi was not just to know his knowledge, but it was to become like the rabbi. You wanted a disciple was to become. In other words, they said that that rabbi has such a passion for God and he loves God so much that I want to hang out with him and I want to become like him. I want to be a rabbi just like him. I want to have that passion. I want to have that zeal for God. And so you would come and after you have hung out and you've gone through all this education and you have learned and you have grown, you would now think that you're at the opportunity, and few, there would be very few that would even ask. You would go and you would ask the rabbi, can I be your Talmud? Can I be one of your disciples? And the rabbi might say, well, you've really done well in school. How about you follow me for a few weeks? Maybe you could walk behind me about 10 feet and just shadow me and see. And let, me, let me think about this, if you could be in my, one of my Talmud, if you could be one of my disciples. 
And so it was a very stringent process. And, and the, these rabbis would go and they would finally allow people to be their Talmud. And they would live with them. Literally, night and day. A rabbi showed up. He had his disciples. They were with him. They ate meals together. They went everywhere. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus comes and he doesn't go to the city in the south where all the schooled people are. He doesn't go to where all the, all the, tech, you know, the, the latest and greatest of the day to find who would be the sharpest tack. He goes up to this orthodox area where disciple making was commonly practiced. And he goes into this area and he, he doesn't go down to the rabbis. He goes out to where the common people are just fishing. And this was the common people. This was people with their trade. And he goes over to Peter and he says, follow me. When he did that, now I want you to catch this. Peter did not make it into any other rabbi's discipleship program. All the other rabbis. In other words, Peter wasn't good enough. James wasn't good enough. John wasn't good enough. And as you look, these were not men who made the cut. They were not the all-star team, all right? They were men, they were, they, I'm sure they loved God, and they had a foundation of God, but they were just going to work every day, and they were doing the family trade, they were learning the family thing, and they were doing what they could do. And so I want to encourage you this morning, because when Jesus came and he called them, he called them to be his Talmud, his disciple, the word there, everybody understood that when Jesus said, you're my disciple, they understood that it wasn't about knowing something, but that it was about being with someone. It was about becoming like someone. So when you're hanging out with Jesus, here's what is really awesome. When you hang out with Jesus, you become like Jesus. So he has called us to be his disciples, to be his Talmud. And so when Matthew is writing this, the Jewish mind understood this whole concept of a disciple. And it was absolutely absurd that a rabbi would go and say to a fisherman who didn't make the grade, who wasn't good enough, and say, be my disciple. Follow me. Because the rabbis of that day made a very stringent process. And so Jesus was so different. And he says to you and he says to me today, follow me. Follow me. And here's what happens. He doesn't say, follow me and then go, and then go fish for men. He says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. He, he knows that they don't have a clue how to fish for men. Uh, he says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. So it's a huge commitment to be a disciple in that day. Uh, giving up everything, following the passions and the commitments. And, and so this morning, I want you to think about this, that these men that Jesus called, they spent time with him. They got in close proximity to him. And the more time that they were with Jesus, the more that their lives changed, not because there was an outward pressure, not because they had some rule book that they had to live up to, but because they were with Jesus. One day they woke up and they looked in the mirror and said, who is that person? I could never have made my life this good. I could never 
have changed heart. I could never have had these things happen in my heart and in my soul the way that they have. I have been with Jesus. Listen, this is what happened when Moses went up to the mountain to talk with God. He went up to the mountain to talk with God. He came down and his countenance was glowing. It was like he had been with God Almighty. And this is what a disciple is. It is somebody who comes and gets with Jesus. It is not necessarily going to church. Going to church is part of the process. And, and I want to encourage you that he wants you to be a disciple and he wants you to make disciples not just on Monday, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you say, well, how do I make a disciple? Here's what happened. The, the, the rabbi that day, he would take his, his people, his Talmud, his teach, uh, the people that he was teaching and pouring into. He would pour in and he would invest into them. And one day when they got good enough, he would turn around and say, now you go make some disciples. You get your own Talmud. And so when Jesus left and he went up on the mountain and he's, he's getting ready, he's given that final call. He says, go make disciples. You know what he was doing? He had taken these men that he called, and they didn't make the grade in the world's eyes, but they made the grade in God's eyes because he said, follow me. I love you. And today, that's my call to you, is will you follow Jesus because he loves you? Not because you have to perform something, but because he loves you. He died on the cross for your sin. He paid for your sin once for all forever, and he calls you unto himself. Um, so t- this morning, I want to encourage you here to, uh, to look at this because you can become like Jesus. Can you imagine that? It, it, you looked at Jesus. These men looked at Jesus and they said, wow. When he said, follow me, he's saying, I can become like him. He's saying, I believe in you. I know that you can become like me. Follow me and I will make you like me. I will make you fishers of men. So this morning, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, is the same account. I want you to go over here with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 1, because you see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Many times I record the same event. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the same event of calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John. Uh, Luke comes at it from a little different perspective. Luke had went out, and he had done some eyewitness testimony, and he compiled all the eyewitness testimony together, and he, and he writes the, eyewitness, uh, the, uh, the record, and he says, I want you to read this so that you can really know what happened. And so look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, again, that on the map is, is, the, is the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee. It is the same. You can find that in biblical times. Uh, Throughout the Bible, you'll see the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Tiberias. That is all the same place, all right? One day as Jesus was standing by the Lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. And folks, here it is. This is where you start. To be a disciple of Jesus, you don't start by leaving your nets. You start by listening. Here's what was happening. Jesus was teaching, and, and everywhere that Jesus went and taught, the crowd would cra- gather in on him. So he's on the shore, and there's a crowd, and, it, and he's kind of running out of space. So he comes over, and he saw a boat here, okay? Uh, one day, as Jesus was teaching by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. 
So he sees a couple of boats, and, and here's what was happening. The fishermen would fish all night long. That's when they fished. They had the nets, and they would go out, and you, you'd go out when the water was cool, the fish would come up. So they'd go out, and they'd throw out the nets, and they'd, that's how they made their living. That's how, this was the trade. They knew how to do it. So uh, in the morning, they would be wrapping up. You, know, you can imagine after you've worked all night long, some, we have many people in our church that work the night shift. Uh, I tell them, I don't know how you do it. When you don't sleep, it's really, really hard. And so these men, here they are. They've been working all night long. And now they've got their nets up. You know, they had to pull the nets out so they get all the fish out. And then you had to take, and you had to take out all the seaweed and all the stuff that would rot the net. And so they take the net and they hang them on these posts and they're letting them dry. So they were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So they were in this process. They were in the process of cleaning their nets, getting them ready to put away so that they could go out and fish tomorrow night. And so as they're doing that, these guys are working on the nets and they are listening to Jesus. He got into one of the boats, verse five, uh, verse three. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And so what he's saying, he's saying, hey, I need a podium. I need to get away. I'm a little too close to the people. You know, on uh, Saturday night, I will speak with the podium down in the middle there, right? I go in about three rows because it's a, a little bit smaller group. And uh, sometimes people will come from Sunday and they don't realize that the podium's down there. And they'll be sitting like right next to the podium. I'm like, you might want to move back a row or two. You don't want to be that close, you know? I don't know how good the breath's doing today, you know? It's just like, you know, so, so I'm like, you might want to move back. You don't want to be sitting there with your neck like this, all right? And so that's what, they, that's what Jesus was doing. He was saying, let me get in the boat. The crowd is gathered around. Pull me back. And so he gets a little bit back from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I want you to think, here's, here's what happened here. In verse 3, he says, uh, can I borrow your boat? And he, he, he asked a small inconvenience of Peter. He says, hey, I just, I just need a place to sit. I need to get a little space from the people here because, you know, it's a large crowd. So Peter says, okay. He gives him 10 feet, takes him out. He can still keep working on his nets. So he's working on his nets. He's cleaning the nets. He's doing everything he can to make sure everything is good for the nets. And so he, he's getting ready for the next day. He's just doing his routine. And in the meantime, he's listening to Jesus teach. And the very first step of being a disciple is listening to the word of God. That you can't be a disciple without the word of God. So you got to start there. And he's starting there listening. And he's listening. And he's listening. And now Peter is now asked, after he's done preaching, he comes to him. And when he had finished speaking, he said to him, Simon, put out into deep and let the nets down for a catch. And I want you to think what's going on in Peter's mind. I'm a fisherman. I'm telling you, there's no fish out there. I'm a fisherman, and we've been working all night long, and I just put everything away. I've taken the time. I've washed it. I have done everything right. And look what he says. He says, Simon answered, Master. Now, that's a key word. I want you to check it out, because at this point, he's calling him Master. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night. So he's, it's, a, it's, a re, it's a respectable title. Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Here's what was a little background. You don't fish with nets in the daytime. 
the water heats up, the sun beats down. This lake is like 140 feet deep. Where do the fish go when the water's warm? They go down. This is what was happening. You don't fish for net, with nets at 140 feet. You fish for nets up in the shallow. And Jesus says, let's go out there with your nets for a cast. And Peter is sitting there and he's thinking, what? Don't you understand? We're the fishermen. Master, we've worked hard all night. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, Master, you're a pretty good teacher, but we're pretty good fishermen. We know how to fish. Don't, maybe you ought to stick to teaching, you know? And, and look what he says here. Verse 5, Then Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Not because I really think this will work. <laughs> Not because I really believe that there's fish out there. He says, I will do what I've always done. I know how to fish, but I'm going to do it a little differently because you said so. I'm going to come and I'm going to do it because you said so. And you know what this was? This was a question for Peter. Can I trust Jesus? Can I trust him? So it was a small means of trust, right? As the small means of trust was, uh, can, you, can you go out and just, uh, first of all, I need your boat. He lends him his boat. He trusts him for that. Yeah, he's not going to steal my boat. I'm right here. I'm just going to keep working. And then, hey, let's go out there and fish. There's a small position of trust. I want you to think what was, what was at stake because this is when Peter became a disciple. This was the moment when he took a step of faith. When we take a step of faith is when we become a disciple. So here's the moment of the step of faith. I'm going to put out a net in the middle of the daytime, in the deep where the fish are not, because you said so. And so he takes this step, and this was the position of trust. Do you know what Peter didn't know? Peter didn't know what being a disciple would mean for him. Peter didn't know that 2,000 years later we'd still be talking about him. Peter didn't have a clue that he would follow Jesus for three years and watch him go to the cross. Peter didn't have a clue that he would deny this master at one point. Uh, Jesus told him, you will deny me three times. And Peter had no clue that was going to happen. And then it happened. Then he was mortified. Peter had no clue that he would be accepted after his failure. Peter had no clue that Jesus would rise from the dead. Peter had no clue that after Jesus rose from the dead and he would preach a sermon in the book of Acts, we see him preach a sermon in Acts chapter 3 for what was known as the opening day of the church. He would preach a sermon and 3,000 people would come to Jesus in one day. And then Peter lived a life that was filled with persecution. And, and, and he, you know, he, he write, writes scripture. And, and so you see Peter, it's like, wow, Peter, he had no clue. He had no clue what was hanging in the balance when he said, yes, I'll do it because you said so. How many times does that happen to us in our life? You're faced with an issue. You just kind of feel God tugging on your heart. Go this way. And you're like that won't work. And you wrestle with God, and you're like, God, that's not how this works, right? That flies in the face of everything I've been taught, and it flies in the face of everything of humanity. And God says, I know. Trust me. Go out and cast your net. 
And when we take that step of faith, that's when we become a disciple. Look what happened here for Peter. Peter, not only did he open up the church, Peter's name is revered around the world to this day. Isn't there a St. Peter's Basilica in Rome? I mean, you, you see all this, people go to his grave site, and they, it's, just, it's just unbelievable because he had an impact. And he had this big impact on on, on humanity because he got in the presence of the master and because on this day that he had no clue when Jesus called him and says, will you cast your net? Will you go out and let's just go out and cast the net? And he says, all right, we fished all night, but because you said so, because you said so, I will do it. Uh, verse 6, when they had done so. You see, there's the step of faith. When they had done so. When they acted upon what Jesus asked them to do. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of the fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats, so they began to sink. There was so much fish that the boats start to weigh down. They start to bog down. Their nets are breaking. They've never caught this many fish in their life. And then, look how Peter responds. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. And all of a sudden, he realized it was God. This was Jesus who was working. He says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He's saying, listen, when we went out there, I called you master. I said, you're just a good guy, and I'll do this not because I think we should, but because you said we should. And he says, I am going to call you now Lord. And you see, when we take that step of faith, all of a sudden, you take a step of faith, all of a sudden the lights go on. And it's not until you have done so. It's not until you have taken that step of faith that God all of a sudden steps into your life and he turns the light on. And all of a sudden he has asked you to be inconvenienced, to go out there and fish. And I know you've dried your nets and I know you've been out all night long, but I want you to go out and fish and I want you to do this. It's not until we do that, until we take that step of faith that God all of a sudden reveals himself. And all of a sudden you're like, wow. You know, there's things in your life that you're praying about. This happens to me all the time. I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. I'm saying, God, would you do it like this? God, would you do it like this? God, I'm your child. Do it my way. And God says, remember, you're my child. Go out and cast your net. And you say, I've had a lot of these talks with God. Okay, God, because you said. Not because I think it'll work, but because you said. And I go out and I do what he says. And then at the end, I come back and I say, wow, my Lord, my God, I am so sinful. I didn't trust you. And now I see your hand at work and I see who you are and I will be your follower because I have just witnessed your power in such a powerful way. And this was a small inconvenience. I, he didn't ask me to die on the cross. He didn't ask me to be beat like the disciples were. He didn't ask me to die a martyr's death. He just asked me to be a little uncomfortable from time to time. And in those moments, and I wanted him to do my way, and God says, just go over here. Just trust me. And when you take that step of faith, oh, folks, when we take a step of faith, it is so scary, isn't it? It is really scary, and that's what faith is. And look what, as a matter of fact, 
Simon Peter said this, he fell, Jesus needs, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Verse 9, for he had, for he and all his compassions were astonished at the catch of fish that they have taken. The Ken Barner translation is they were blown away. They were blown away. And so when James, so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. You know why they were afraid? Because they had never caught fish with a net in the middle of the day. They were afraid because this isn't the way it's supposed to work. They were afraid. You know, and when, when God sees that we're afraid, that, remember, he always tells us, don't be afraid. And you're like, easy for you to say. <laughs> he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so he tells them, don't be afraid. You know why? Because he says, I've got a plan for your life. Don't be afraid because from now on you will catch men. I always tell the young single women of our church, you should memorize that verse, right? Don't be afraid, you'll catch men, right? Maybe make that singular man. <laughs> but I want you to catch this this morning. He says, don't be afraid. From here out, I'm going to make you fishermen. You don't have to be good to get in somebody else's, to be a Talmud for them. I know who you are. And I'm telling you, if you'll keep casting your net when I tell you to cast the net, I'm going to make you a fisherman. Wow. What faith. You see what happened here? Little, just a little baby faith intersected with God's faithfulness. A faithful God with an ounce of faith. And that's all it takes. Peter was all over the map. You look at Peter's life. He was high. He was low. He was high. He was low. But God uses people like that. He, he, God doesn't say, hey, I need a type A. He says, I use type A, B, C, and D. I use them all. It's like God loves all of us. He has a plan for your life. And he says, if you'll trust me. So they pulled up their boats on shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. And so Luke has given us just a little more description into follow me, and I'll make you a fisherman. And so today, you're wondering, is he going to get to the notes? Here they are. Listen to Jesus. I want to ask you, and as you want to be a disciple, it starts with listening to Jesus. Come to his word and listen to Jesus. Just start there. Folks, it isn't like, hey, I got to be something. I got to transform. God takes care of all the transformation. You don't got to be anything. You'll be a disciple by being in his presence. Listen to Jesus. Secondly, loan your boat to Jesus. You know, when, whenever he came and he said, hey, I need your boat, that was a small inconvenience. And so for you, there's going to be small inconveniences. Your time, your talent, your treasure. There's small inconveniences. God's going to come to you and he's going to say, hey, I, I want you to start reading my word. I want to encourage you, go home, download the Version Bible app. Take your phone out, download it, Y-O-U version. It's a free Bible app. Download it. I go in and I pick a, pick a translation. I use the NLT. I just like how it reads. And I listen to it. And, it and, and you know what? By doing that, it's an inconvenience. I had to give up 15 minutes. And I listen to a chapter a day. And so you say it's an inconvenience. Yeah. Listen, if you're at the listening stage, I tell you, come back again and keep listening. And just keep listening. And that's where God has you. As you keep listening, all of a sudden, God's going to pull you in to be his disciple. And he's going to one day call you to follow him. And one day you're going to surrender. Last night, one of the 
One of the people here last night said to me, said, Ken, I'm listening. I'm on the journey, and I'm listening. And I felt so happy for this guy because his life is being transformed, and he doesn't even know it. You see, this is how discipleship works. If you keep listening, and then you go to the next phase of loaning your boat to Jesus, there's an inconvenience, and it maybe you start reading the Bible, go to the book of John and read that, 21 chapters, a chapter a day for the next 21 days, and you just start getting closer to him. All of a sudden, as you get into proximity of Jesus, all of a sudden, he is going to change you. He doesn't say change and come to me. He says, come to me and I will change you. He says, go fishing with Jesus. You know what? God's going to tell you to do something. He's going to give you a small step of faith. Folks, I believe that there are small steps of faith that God wants in all of our life. And we're afraid. We are afraid. It is fearful when we have to take faith. But you know what? That's when God works. This is going to happen in your job. It's going to happen in your family. It's going to happen in relationships. It's going to happen in in your sports teams. It's going to happen in all areas. And when you take that step of faith and you say, okay, God, you said, and you say no to something because God said no to something, or you say yes to something because God said yes to something, you're going to say, okay, God, I don't understand it. Maybe you're a young person and you're saying, man, I'm just looking for a mate. And you're going to say, maybe you're going to say, all right, God, I'm not feeling your presence. I'm not feeling your leading, but it looks so good. You say no, and God says, just trust me. That was a step of faith. And maybe for others, it's a job, and you're taking a job situation, you're looking at a job situation, and you're saying, man, this makes no sense. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to make less money, but I'm going to do this over here because this is what I feel God's called me to do. And you take that step of faith, God's going to work. And when you take this step of faith, all of a sudden you come back and say, oh, Lord, I am so unworthy because... I didn't trust you. God, you are my Lord. You are my master. Go fishing with Jesus and then leave your nets. One of these days, you'll leave your nets. And here's what I mean by leaving your nets. One of these days, all of a sudden, you'll be thinking about life and everything in the frame of being a disciple. You'll make all of your decisions. Think about, what would my master say? How would my master do it? And all of a sudden, It'll be, it'll be second nature because you will be a disciple and not conforming. You'll be somebody changed. And folks, I'm looking around our church and I see people whose lives have been changed and they didn't know it. <laughs> this is what is so cool. And when I sit down and hear the story, they're like, I don't know what happened. I just started coming to your church and I've been hanging out here for about two years and all of a sudden, I don't hate my dad anymore. I put my arm around that person and say, God bless you, man, because that means Jesus transformed your heart. And they'll say, you know what? I'm not only worried about the things of this world. I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over all the problems that I have. And, and I still have problems, but I, ha- I have peace and I don't understand it. And I put my arm around that person and I say, God bless you, brother, because Jesus has changed your life. It's not Pastor Ken. It's Jesus. And I invite you this morning to be a disciple of Jesus. Will you be his Talmud? Because he's not looking for you to perform. He just wants you to follow. Get with him every day. Let's get it started and watch what he does. Or you can keep your own way. You can keep going. 
He says the invitation is open to you. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I invite you to Jesus. I invite you to be his disciple. He is willing. He is so powerful. He wants to use your boat. He wants to uh, inconvenience you and tell you where to fish. Are you ready? Are you ready to take the next step? Maybe God's talking to you. You've been hearing the teaching of the Word of God, and it's been moving in your heart. And maybe, maybe there's, a, there's a, a step of faith that you've got to do. It could be in your family. It could be in your business. It could be in your recreation. But there's something, there's a small step of faith, and, and you just feel like God's telling you to do that way. I want to encourage you to take that small step of faith, and then when you do, you're going to come back and you're say, my Lord, I am so unworthy. And you'll be just like Peter. If that's you this morning, you want to start to be a disciple, I want to invite you to Jesus. Would you just pray something like this? Just pray, dear Jesus, I need you. I need a Savior. I'm a sinner and I've done wrong things. I want to be your disciple. I want to learn from you. I want to be like you. You died on the cross. You were buried. You paid for my sin. You rose again the third day. And God, I invite you into my heart. Right here. Right now. Lord, help me. Help me to get in close proximity to you. Help me to get in your presence that I may be your disciple. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together and uh, look to the person and ask them next to you, are you a Talmud? God bless you. You are dismissed.